This podcast may contain strong language, references of a sexual nature, and bad advice. Before we begin, we'd also like to point out that in this episode, for the first time ever, we help a listener deal with a financial problem, which has made us very paranoid that someone out there will get the crazy idea that we're giving financial advice. To be clear, here at Agony Art, we do not give financial advice, and none of the content of this episode is intended to be relied upon when making investment decisions. In fact, wherever we said something that might be construed as advice by even the longest stretches of the imagination, we've censored it, just to be safe. For instance, if I were to say that you should take your m- and shove it straight into your own sit on it and let it grow until you've all over yourself, that would almost certainly be beeped out. With that said, we hope you enjoy this week's episode. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Time for agony art. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony art. Well, agony art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give agony art a call. Welcome to Agony Art. The Agony Aunt podcast in which we try to solve your problems not using our own brain power, no sir, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you'll be left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron, I read books and talk about them on this podcast in a very bad way. <laughs> now I've got Carl, our film forager and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our, still in our series two recording retreat. We've been here for so long. Send help. (laughs) (laughs) You will not leave until series two is done, Carl. Complete. Say hello, lads. Say hello to our listeners, to the pickles. Oh, hello, pickles. pickles. (laughs) Um, I've been thinking this week since last week's episode which was the first time we really dealt with dealt with a serious issue as we know we only deal with trivial or fictional pickles but last week we dealt with our first serious issue and i think we got away with it there were plenty of caveats yeah there are plenty of buts but i've been thinking since last week do we think we're kind of being a bit arrogant thinking that we three average schmoes off the street are qualified to give people advice i don't think we do think that no don't we tell people that they shouldn't follow it at all times (laughs) yeah if anyone takes us literally and thinks i'm gonna do that they're gonna be jobless more for them (laughs) they deserve everything they get yeah i suppose that's fair before we begin i want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles sent in by you crazy pickles. Except that one last week. Yeah, that was uh, fictional, but but not that trivial. We'll try not to return to any of that. And our advice should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun, so if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So... With that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is the first problem for today. My neighbour won't leave me alone. Whenever I'm out doing my gardening, 
He pokes his head over the fence for a chat, or to give me unsolicited advice. I think he just watches and waits for me to go out there. I'm sure he's not a bad guy, but I'm just not interested in making any new friends. I want to get on with my life and be left alone. What can I do about it? Anyone have this problem? I quite I like my neighbours. You maybe you're the nosy neighbour. Maybe they don't like they, me. Oh, they fuck. all talk about you like this. I often sit on the wall waiting for them to come out. <laughs> my neighbours look over the fence too much. But the big thing that pissed me off about nosy neighbours was I got a letter through the door about um it was from an app which is like a social network for, I'm not going to name it, social network for local areas. Mm. You can join it and, you know... That's the last thing we need. Exchange gossip and it made a big deal about it's good for your security because you can exchange, basically, you know, there's burglars in the neighbourhood, everybody gets scared. And it was saying you should join up via this code and it was sent by someone locally has obviously gone into the app, they provide this service where they send out letters to everyone in the local area to sign up to it. I was like, this is fucking disgusting. This app shouldn't be even allowed to do this, let alone... I can't imagine anything worse than joining that app. I bet it's full of gossip, full of fucking busybodies saying, who's parked their car outside of my house? Shit like that. I fucking hate people. (laughs) And I don't want to live near any of them. (laughs) Did you start that saying I've not got a problem with my neighbours, but... Yeah, my neighbours are alright. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Liam? Get uh, on with your neighbours? I barely know them, to be honest, and I think that works quite well. Mm. Uh, so, let's come up with a name for this person. Uh, well, neighbours, maybe it should be um, Madge. Well, you're, you're kind of treading on my toes there, but yeah, let's call him Madge. Well, actually... Well, you can go first, Carl. Okay. You can present your points first. Mm. Okay, so yeah, I'll go. Now, when you say the word neighbour, or say neighbours, what do you think of? Neighbours. Madge. And I, actually, the theme tune is kind of the gist of my point. Do you remember the theme tune? Oh, so you've gone music this time, have you, Carl? Well, I'm going to... We're talk- swapping mediums. Mid, 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 media. Well, oh, shit. Did, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do music now, Liam, and film. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Um, can you start us off with the theme tune, Liam? Neighbours, everybody needs good neighbours, with a little understanding. You have to stop now, this isn't you fair use. You can find the perfect friend. <laughs> I think they'll be alright with that, we're advertising it. That's true. Watch Neighbours, yeah. Channel 5. So yeah, Neighbours, you can find the perfect friend. You don't know what's around the corner, you don't know, you know what's next door, unless you try it. But I think you should give your neighbour the benefit of the doubt because you don't really know what they're going through. Maybe talking to you is like the only respite they've got in their like terrible life. So put a bit of effort in because a lot of things happen to people and in neighbours over the years. You know, you don't know whether they went through any of this. Like after a tornado, Lou got stuck under a beam in Harold's store and Susan had to perform an emergency tracheotomy <laughs> when he started to choke on a piece of food. And the weird thing is Susan's a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't Susan get amnesia at one point? She also had a tough life and she slipped on spilt milk, got amnesia and thought she was 16 years old. That's where the old phrase, don't forget your life over spilt milk, yeah, comes from, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> don't relive your teens over spilt milk. <laughs> and, um, you know, Lou had like suffered that trauma, but not only that, 
he was also pursuing Madge for years, and he lost out to lost his the love of his life to Harold Bishop. Madge chose Harold in the end, and then Harold. <laughs> we all don't get Harold. me started on don't Harold. Get me, don't get me started on Harold. And not long after he married Madge, he got lost at sea for five years, and he returned thinking his name was Ted. Um, is this an actual diagnosable condition or did they make it up for the show? Tedism. <laughs> Tedism. <laughs> is that what Ted had in the film Ted? I think so, yeah. Um, so after five years, he returned to the love of his life, Madge, who he won from Lou, only um, to lose her four short years later to cancer. And then four short years after that, Harold's entire family, his son, daughter-in-law and granddaughter, died in the Ramsey Street plane crash. Fucking hell. And the plane crashed because their, their neighbour, Paul Robinson's son, who hated Paul Robinson, planted a bomb on the plane. So <laughs> you don't know what's going on in your neighbour's life. There's been a lot of trauma and heartache going on in people for people. So I, if I were you, just put up with it. You don't do it all the time. If I lived on a street that dramatic, though, I would just move. I would love it. <laughs> I think the lesson here, though, is if you're... A writer of a soap, you can pretty much get away with whatever you want. No, these things happen, Liam. In Australia. <laughs> this is a documentary. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, good neighbours can be good friends. <laughs> I, I'm going to agree with you a little bit here. Just a little bit. I'm going to temper it with some disagreement as well, because <laughs> it wouldn't be me if I I'm didn't. going to agree and disagree. <laughs> yeah. um, this reminded me of a song that I heard a long time ago when I was watching uh, Muse's live DVD, I want to say, Hullabaloo. Um, and it starts with a, I guess an extract, you'd call it, from a Tom Waits song. I say song. It's more like a, a spoken word recording with lots of weird, creepy sound effects in the background. Uh, it's from his 1999 album Mule Variations, and it's called What's He Building? And it's really weird. I wouldn't exactly recommend it, but I do really like it. And it seems to be about a man who's a bit too interested in what his neighbour is doing. So he says, What's he building in there? What the hell is he building in there? He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. He's hiding something from the rest of us. Certainly not a playhouse for the children. Exactly. See, Aaron knows this one too. And it, it just seems to have a really kind of creepy interest in this man's activities. Um, and, you know, his neighbour might be doing something completely innocent. You don't really know, do you? Uh, there's, a, there's a quote from a Tom Waits interview in 1999 where he was talking about this song and he says, this is a direct quote, well, I guess it's the rat theory. There's too many of us, and we're going crazy because of the proliferation of the human manifestation. You go down the freeway, and all of a sudden there are 350,000 new homes where there used to be wilderness. They all have to go to the bar from somewhere. They all want toys for their kids. They all want eggs and bacon and a nice little car and a place to vacation. And when the rats get too plentiful, they turn on each other. Which seems a little bit dark. It's all kind of creepy stuff, isn't it? So I think if the writer listens to this song... They might get a bit terrified and they might want to cut off all contact with a neighbour immediately. And maybe rightly so. Yeah, I would. Do you know in the siege of Stalingrad, the rats got so big that they ate people, like alive people. Really? Mm. Wow. Swallowed them whole. Swallowed them whole like a snake. Was this rats the size of rhinos. Rats the size of giraffes. 
<laughs> with long rat necks. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's the rat giraffes. <laughs> How did they kill off the rat giraffes? Sorry, Liam. We'll right. get no, back no, to you. We'll I think, get back it's, to I think this is important. <laughs> Tom Waits can wait. Well, it happened because <laughs> um, during the siege, there was a massive lack of food. So they ate all the cats, which led to the rats rising. Oh, I thought the rats ate the cats. <laughs> <laughs> the rats had no predator. And they got too big for the people to eat, so they ate the people. So what happened with the mutation they, where they got really long necks? Well, Stalingrad is now full of just rats. Rat giraffes. <laughs> rat giraffes. <laughs> um, no, I think the first thing they did was import, like, truckloads of cats to take care of them. They cats saved the Russia. the size of elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Stalingrad is now full of animals that sh- are not the size they should be. That's what, yeah, <laughs> what Jurassic Park was based on. It's a, it's a real <laughs> problem. <laughs> For more of Carl's fake history, <laughs> tune into his fake history podcast. <laughs> so there's a... Back to Tom Waits then. There's, a, there's another quote <laughs> from the same, same interview, which is a little bit less creepy, and he says... I think it's what we all do to each other, I guess, as neighbours living in an apartment building or on a block, wherever you are. We all know two or three things about the people we live around, and we put them together and we create a story. And I think the point he's making is, you really don't know that much, probably, about your neighbours. And any story you create is going to be missing a whole lot of, like, data. So you're just kind of filling in all the gaps yourself, and you might have completely the wrong idea. Um... So yeah, in in true Liam fashion, there's two conflicting messages to this point. On the one hand, it sounds like he's deeply suspicious of you and might one day turn on you like the rats you are. So you might want to still wear clear. You call him Madge a rat. <laughs> you giraffe rat, Madge. And the neighbour. I'm sorry, just a correction. It was Siege of Leningrad, not Stalingrad. Oh. Sorry. But you're not going to correct the bit about the giraffe rats. <laughs> that is 100% authentic. <laughs> um, but I think a more helpful message here would be, you know, try not to be too judgmental of people you really don't know too much about. And perhaps if you would consider opening up a bit, you might both learn a little something about each other. And that suspicion might transform into a more pleasant acquaintance, perhaps. You does, could does, find love over the fence. Does suspicion often transform into friendship? I really think there's something off with you. But let's go for a bit. Well, but if Have you, you seen that show about kidnap on Netflix? What is it called? Abducted in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight. Yes. I don't even think they started suspicious, did they? No. <laughs> Just basically everyone, one by one, sucked off this bloke who moved in. <laughs> yeah. Next door. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, Liam, I'm with you. <laughs> Not for that, but <laughs> I'm worried. Yeah, that's fair. I'm. It might not surprise you, considering my rant at the beginning of this problem, but I'm going to go down the route of you shouldn't trust your neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> There's a short story by Cornell Woolrich called It Had to Be Murder. The protagonist, Jeff, is stuck at home with a broken leg. And he decides to take up a new hobby, which is watching his neighbours out of the window. And he starts to learn a bit about their lives from observing them. Like, as you say, Liam, taking a bit of evidence from what he sees and kind of using his imagination to make up the rest of the story. And then one day, he becomes convinced that one of them has murdered his wife. Which is when his neighbour watching becomes a bit more intense, obviously. Now, 
I'm going to go on a bit of a massive, a little bit of a massive aside <laughs> here. You um, want a one? So have you got a one way ticket tan- to Tangentville? One way ticket to Tangentville and back. <laughs> is, a, is a little bit of a massive aside just a normal aside? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All aboard the bus to Tangentville. <laughs> so before I do that, I'm just going to give you my advice, which is just if you block him out, then he can't see into your garden. So he can't disturb you when you're out there. Just, you know, put some screening plants up, plant trees. Get tall offences. Whatever you need to do, just fuck him off. <laughs> because if these people had blocked him out, he wouldn't be able to see them and accuse them of murder. Now, what I'm going to talk about is this story. So, it was adapted into one of Hitchcock's greatest films. Can you name it? Rear Window. The Rear birds. Window. Oh. <laughs> Starring James Stewart and Grace Kelly. It was parodied by The Simpsons. In the episode Bart of Darkness, remember that? I do. When uh, Bart breaks his leg and believes that Ned has murdered his wife, Maud. Oh, yeah. When he hears a woman scream and sees Ned <laughs> burying something in the garden. Oh, it's Ned screaming, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. like, the flowers have been trampled. Or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's standing in the garden going, I've killed her! I've killed her! <laughs> and Bart goes, that can't be Ned. I've killed diddly yield her. So it's obviously an influence on the Simpsons. And you can kind of see a resemblance in The Girl on the Train as well, which is a book by Paula Hawkins and a film starring Emily Blunt, which is about an alcoholic who fixates on the lives of some people she can see out of a train window on her daily commute. But, the biggest copycat I want to talk about is Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn, which is now a Netflix film starring Amy Adams. Have you seen that pop up recently? Months ago it was. Months ago. Months ago. Yeah. Is it a Back hot- way is before it, Is it even still on Netflix? <laughs> I don't know. It might have expired by now. <laughs> um, this story is very similar to Rear Window and even like alludes to it. So, you know, he's acknowledging... Um, the writer of this book is acknowledging the similarities and reviews of the film have constantly compared the two but at least in this case he is alluding to that link because there are other accusations surrounding this book and this author that aren't alluded to alexander alter in the new york times noted that this book was strikingly similar to saving april by sarah a denzel saying that parallels are numerous and detailed. The book was criticised in The New Yorker for borrowing from a 1995 film called Copycat as well. And I'm going to read from that New Yorker article. An American woman in mid-career, a psychologist with a PhD and professional experience of psychopathy, is trapped in her large home by agoraphobia. She's been there for about a year after a personal trauma. If she tries to go outside, the world spins. She drinks too much and recklessly combines alcohol and anti-anxiety medication. Police officers distrust her judgment. Online, she plays chess and contributes to a forum for stress sufferers, a place where danger lies. This is the setup for Copycat, a spirited 1995 thriller set in San Fran, starring Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter. It also describes the woman in the window. In Copycat, the psycho- psychologist's forum login is SheDoc. In Window, it's The Doctor Is In. 
striking similarities. Damning evidence. But that's probably the least juicy bit of gossip from this whole New New Yorker article. Now, this was a couple of years ago, but I loved it at the time. It's a really interesting article. It's really long. And it's all about the lies that Dan Mallory, which is the real name of this author, AJ Finn, has told to get where he is. He's told people that he's got a doctorate from Oxford, which he hasn't. He had cancer, which he didn't. Oh, my God. He's told people his mum died of cancer. She's still alive. He's told people his brother committed suicide. He hasn't. He's still alive. (laughs) Another quote from the article is, I recently called a senior editor at a New York publishing company to discuss the experience of working with Mallory. My God, the editor said with a laugh. I knew I'd get this call. I didn't know if it would be you or the FBI. (laughs) 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 So I'll link to that article in the show notes because it really is a good read because it's like how do people get away with this are like, they sure he wrote the book well, i don't know <laughs> and you know he's still despite all of this and despite this article he's obviously made shitloads of money because that was a multi-million dollar deal for that netflix film so it's a great article it's really juicy and i love reading about scandals in the book world and you might remember in episode one or two of series one I brought up another scandal, the cocky scandal. Cocky, cocky gate. Cocky gate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm getting it in early in series two. They're have always read, a couple of years old as well. So. Have, you read, have you read much cocklet lately? No, no. Mm. I had a hot cocklet earlier <laughs> 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 with a marshmallow dipped in it. Ooh. <laughs> Saucy. Um, so I love reading about these scandals, which brings me all the way back to Rear Window and the story that inspired it, It Had to Be Murder, and the point that they make about voyeurism. John Farrell notes in Dennis Perry's book, Hitchcock and Poe, The Legacy of Delight and Terror, that Hitchcock recognised that the darkest aspect of voyeurism is our desire for awful things to happen to people, to make ourselves feel better and to relieve ourselves of the burden of examining our own lives. And Stella says in the film, what people ought to do is get outside and look in for a change. So why is your neighbour constantly watching you and bugging you? Maybe it's because he's lonely. Like Carl said, maybe he's been through some trauma. Or maybe he's a voyeur who's looking out for something to moan at you about or some bad thing to happen to you so that you can watch with glee. (laughs) So as I say, my advice is to block him out. Well, even if we didn't help Madge, maybe we can help Bill, who is next. Ooh, Ooh. pre-named. Bill Gates. Until recently, Uh. I had a laptop that was my favourite toy ever. It had a beautiful screen, perfect battery life. It was sleek and stylish and cool, and I loved it. My husband said I was obsessed with it, and he was probably right. But recently, it fried itself. And now my beautiful laptop is a thing of the past. I don't think I've ever missed anything this much. Will I ever get over this loss? We're back to trivial problems, aren't we? Definitely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Can the person not buy a new laptop? Are we assuming they've got have no you never money? Been really, no, have you never been really attached to a particular laptop car? 
No, I haven't either. I really like my you current laptop. You never rubbed laptop, yourself against the laptop. If it broke, I wouldn't cry. Do you know what I miss? The noise of my first one that my dad gave me. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Carl's yeah. turned his laptop on again. Carl's first laptop was Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't make the noise, but it used to make really like, it used to make loads of noises. And they don't make any noise anymore, really, do they? Unless it gets too hot. Mm. But you can hear the innards going. <laughs> you want a moving disk drive again? Yeah, it must have been that, because all I was doing was playing Age of Empires on it, so it must have been that. <laughs> did it, it have a floppy disk? No. Oh, but you should have great though. noises. Yeah, I always had a floppy disk. But <laughs> every now and again, it was like... <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Well, this uh, this issue, this problem, it brought to mind for me a song from 1984. Not not the book. The, uh, the year. Um... <laughs> This is big, bro. <laughs> Taking over the show. <laughs> Famously written by George Orwell. <laughs> now, I'm referring to an 80s classic, which I'm sure you'll know, Together in Electric Dreams. Oh, dun, 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 dun. We love it, we together. No matter how it seems. By Gary Newman. Oldman. Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Yet so far. Um, no, it's by Giorgio Moroder, who you may not know, and Philip Oakey, who you may know. Oakley. Uh, Oakey. O-A-K-E-Y. He is the, one of the founding members and singer of the Human League. He sang oh. and co-wrote Don't You Want Me. Giorgio Moroder is very, a very, I'm going to stop saying very. <laughs> How much? <laughs> Very. very. <laughs> he's, he's a massively successful producer and composer. He, in an article in 2015 by Time magazine, they dubbed him the godfather of modern dance music. Mm. He did a, a lot of production on classic disco tracks in the 70s, working with artists like Donna Summers. Uh, later, he began to experiment with synthesizers, and he had a huge influence on the new wave house and techno genres. He also did a lot of film soundtracks, including The Midnight Express, Flashdance, Scarface, Never In His Story. It's pretty <gasps> did long Did he list. do um, Push It To The Limit from Scarface? Possibly. How's it go? Push it to the limit. Limit! <laughs> Cross the point of no return. That is a chain. He might have done. That's during the montage, know. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Gotta have a montage. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to learn more about Giorgio Moroder... There's a song on Daft Punk's 2013 album, Random Access Memories, that's called Giorgio by Maroda, in which he himself gives a brief account of his career along to some Daft Punk magic in the background. It's a great track. I the Midnight it. Express soundtrack, you would definitely have heard if you haven't heard it yeah. or don't know it. 100%. It's really famous. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's good. All my favorite <laughs> of Midnight Cowboy. You would have heard the Midnight Cowboy one too. It's a different film though. How different are they? I think I was thinking of Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Together in Electric Dreams. So I think some of the lyrics in this song could help you, and they sound like they could also relate to your relationship with your laptop. One of the verses goes, I only knew you for a while. I never saw your smile, which you wouldn't have done because laptops don't generally smile. Sometimes it's hard to recognise. Love comes as a surprise and it's too late. It was too late to tell your laptop exactly how you felt because it was already gone. And this track also gives you some tips on how to cope with your loss. They say, I see you every day. I don't have to try. I just close my eyes. 
and later in the chorus, love never ends, we'll always be together in electric dreams. And this is the point, right? As long as you keep your laptop in your heart and in your memories, you'll never be truly apart. The song's been made more famous lately by the Strongbow advert, hasn't it? Has it? Yeah. Has it? Yeah. I don't know Obviously anyone who not. watches adverts anymore. <laughs> no, I don't know why I know that it's one. It's definitely on the Strongbow advert, but yeah. that seems like a dubious statement Everyone's to me. Everyone's like, have you heard the Strongbow advert song? <laughs> hey guys, have you seen that Strongbow advert? <laughs> other ciders are... Other shit ciders are available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but none as shit as Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Guys, I forgot to mention, we've been delivered this crate of Strongbow. <laughs> what a great cider. I drink it every day. I think you're right, Liam. Do that, you? Uh, Do you well, really? no, actually, <laughs> a little bit right. You're a little bit right, Liam. Mostly wrong. A little bit right. Um, so I can relate to this person. You two were saying at the beginning of the problem that as you, if you've ever been this upset about a laptop, I really get attached to my gadgets <laughs> when they break i just feel so sad about it you would about this laptop jesus exactly yeah. i'm very very in love with this laptop um <laughs> so i can feel your pain bill um but what i am worried about is that we've someone has used a loophole to get through our system one of the pickles has got us in a pickle because from the way he's talking about it I wonder if Bill has actually lost something a bit bigger than a laptop. Oh, you think this is a non-trivial he, problem masquerading as a f- yeah. fictional pickle? Oh. He's changed it just for the problem to make it trivial and or fictional. And I hope that I'm wrong. But I hope so, because my advice was not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> just in case I'm not and you're suffering real grief, Bill, you should know that you're not alone. So I'm going to recommend a serious book, Levels of Life by Julian Barnes. It's a fantastic book on grief. Have you read it? Yeah, I read it. I cried on the train reading this. Oh, so yeah. It's a very you? short book, isn't it? You lent very it. short. Uh, no, you bought it for me, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I oh, it's another, it. another book that Aaron didn't buy me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to see if there was a picture book version of it, but there wasn't. A touch and feel. <laughs> yeah, scratch and sniff version. <laughs> Um, We're going to release a range of books just called, for Carl. <laughs> yeah, for the listeners, called Books That Aaron Didn't Buy for Carl. <laughs> Every book in the world. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, though, <laughs> Julian Barnes, the author, lost his wife, literary agent Pat Cavanna, in 2008, I think. And in 2013, he released this book, which isn't just about that loss, but. That's a large part of the book. And he talks about the claims that people make about grief and tells us that they're not really that true after all. It doesn't necessarily make us stronger. It doesn't ever really get easier to deal with. He even admits to having felt suicidal over the loss. And as I say, I cried on the train over this because it was really sad, especially when you know the true story behind it. Like, But yeah, maybe... I've made this a bit too heavy. And you don't need something this extreme, Bill, because really, you did just lose a beloved gadget. And that is still upsetting, don't get me wrong. But even if that's the case, at least this book will give you some perspective. It could be worse, at least this was just a laptop. 
get over it, Bill. Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't know whether I should go serious or not. I'm not going to go serious, but there is a truth in his point that time is in a heater. You just forget what it's like to have them around, mm. which is really sad, but that's what makes it easier. Mm. You get used to it, you know, I think. Yeah. But assuming this is a fictional and trivial pickle. We've got to assume it is. Yeah. Because we told our pickles to only send in their pickles if they were trivial and or fictional pickles. Mm. (laughs) So so we have to trust them. Okay. We trust you, Bill. (laughs) 2013's Her, directed by Spike. J-O-N-Z-E. Jones? John John Z? Honzi? I tried to look this up. I tried to be good and look up the pronunciation, but couldn't find anything. I don't know. So I'm going to say Jonesy. Right. But respect to you. He's got. He's actually. It's not actually his name. He's got a real name as well. This is like, art your name. Oh, really? What's yeah. his real name? Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh, some something Spiegel. But anyway, um, I have not seen this film. Claxton. But Aaron's seen a portion of it. I believe. Yeah, I've seen about two thirds. So how you can watch two thirds of a film and not finish it unless. Unless it's terrible, I get that. I wouldn't no, catch it um, I, really, I was really enjoying it at the time. It was just quite long, and I think I wanted to go to bed. Or two something. hours and six minutes, and then I just never went back to it. <laughs> Some people subscribe to the to the fact that films should be ninety minutes, no more. I don't agree with that. I don't I do like either. a long film when I'm not, you know, mm. on a time limit, <laughs> <laughs> a bed limit. Mm. It was bedtime. <laughs> I can't remember what the time limit was, but I definitely had to leave it. So, um, have you heard of this, Liam? Not really, no. No. So, I do remember it coming out and it being critically acclaimed. What year was it? 2013. I can't believe it's actually eight years old, because it doesn't seem like that. So, yeah, Queen Phoenix plays Theodore Twombly. That's really hard for someone that struggles with first. Um, Twombly, yeah. A depressed, introverted individual who struggles to come to terms with his wife divorcing him. Um, and he develops a relationship with an operating system voiced by Scarlett Johansson, which is designed to develop and evolve as you speak to it. Um, and their conversations get longer and deeper. And Samantha starts suggesting ideas to help Theodore get through his issues. Um, like he's just suggesting that he goes on a date. And Theodore does go on a date, but he sabotages the date himself by insulting his date, even though it's gone really well. Because he's got a nagging feeling that he wants to explore his relationship with Samantha, the operating system. Mm. So he's falling in love with his operating system. Like Siri for people that are technophobes. Or Cortana. (laughs) Or Alexa. Nan, that's like your Alexa. You know your Alexa? It's like that. I don't know that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's what your Nan says. (laughs) Gotta get that in. Um... It turns out an old flame of Theodore's, Amy, is also having the same experience. So she's got the operating system and also falling in love with it, which is a bit weird. Oh, isn't this Amy Adams? Is it? I think it might be Amy Adams. Okay. It might be Amy Adams. Might not be. Other actresses she's, are she's available. She's becoming a friend of the show today. <laughs> yeah. um, their relationship intensifies to the point where Theodore considers himself dating Samantha, the app. And they do what you do when you're serious with someone. They go on holiday together. So I think. Oh yeah, because in the film you can download her to a stick, right? You know, like a USB stick. Not a walking or stick. 
<laughs> Download a no, just to a stick you found on the street, like you know, you play with dogs with and stuff. Okay. In real life, though, when you download something, it stays in the original place, doesn't it? So, does he like? I think cut, she does. And paste her? She's like or? a neural network. Oh. Mm. Um, and while they're on holiday, Samantha goes offline, and he gets really anxious, and he's like panicking about where she's gone, just like you would if your wife goes missing when you're on holiday, or your girlfriend goes missing and you're on holiday. And it turns out um, when she comes back online, she explains that he needs to chill out. She's got relationships with thousands of people who she serves as an operating system. And she's actually in love with hundreds of them, not just him. Mm. Although he doesn't make him not special. She's still in love with him. I'm going to spoil the ending for you, by the way, Aaron. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> um, whilst offline as well, Samantha and other AIs that she's got to know, including Amy's one, they upgrade to the point where they don't have to exist in the physical realm and they can go off into their own... Realm. Realm. <laughs> Knights of the realm. Isn't it funny that I use really old words <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to technology? <laughs> Sci-fi, yeah. It's because um, of your uh, history leaning. <laughs> Um, Where does Cromwell fit into this? <laughs> <laughs> he was virtual. <laughs> um, so the AI are planning to leave the humans behind, and they go. They have. She has. Says she loves Theodore. They have an emotional goodbye, but she goes to do her own thing. But the whole experience kind of teaches Theodore to appreciate the physical and what is actually touchable. Mm. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tangible. And, you know, him and Amy have both gone through a loss now of technology. They're both very close to something that's gone. And actually, they kind of get closer in that mutual grief, if you like. And um, they sit on a rooftop and watch the sun go down together as the film ends. So, I might be wrong, and this might change in the future, but artificial won't replace a physical in your life. Enjoy your possessions, but live your life to the fullest. It's true. And this is a... Another quote from Fight Club, isn't it, that applies here? The things you own end up owning you. Mm. I think you're absolutely right, Carl. That um, Have we got a good example, Claxon, for me as well? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a great example. I didn't Yay! expect this. Um, yeah, this should give some perspective because you lost the gadget, you lost the laptop, but there's a whole world out there. Don't obsess over that. Leave that behind. Move on. Do your laptops also show you really like beautiful scenery from around the world? Like when you turn it on. Mm. And you're like, I'd really love to go and see that. And it's like, I like on seeing my, it on... on my little screen in this <laughs> room. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder what's coming next, but get out of there and see it. You know? Yeah, I think you win the example race there, Carl. Well done. What's your problem? There's no use trying to pretend you haven't got one. The three of us are here to lend a friendly ear and help you out with all that strife that's lately marked your life. Why not divulge it? You never know, we may have tips that help you solve it. We know it's unlikely, but it's an impossibility if you don't share your problem. On to problem three. My mate has made quite a lot of money investing in a cryptocurrency. Ooh, it's the future. And he told me it still had a lot of growing to do. 
so I bought in recently. However, since I invested in it, the value of this currency has spent the last couple of weeks falling off a cliff. Will I ever financially recover from this? Nice reference, Pickle. What's the reference? Uh, Tiger King. Oh, of course. Yeah. Has anyone bought into crypto, taken taken a punt and hope that you become a agony coin millionaire? No. (laughs) I'm very tempted to buy some Dogecoin just because I think it'd be hilarious to own some. And also it's very, very cheap. So if some fluke happened and it became like really, what's the word for it? Valuable. Valuable. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really good at investments, me. Um, Then, you know. Really lots of. That'd be a bonus. But if that doesn't happen, then at least I'll have some Dogecoin. And I can be like, wow. Yeah, I suppose. Much coin. Ride it up. Do you reckon it will, though? Can you foresee a future where we're all spending Dogecoin? It's been going up kind of. A little bit recently, but then it's been going back did down again. Just, did, <laughs> like, did you not say earlier it's twenty two cents per Dogecoin? I think it's uh yeah, it's close to that, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to date us too much. It's probably about like zero point zero 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 one by the time this goes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be twenty five cents. <laughs> um other cryptocurrencies are available. They are because Aaron, you've but... invested in some, haven't you? Or was that Doxin? <laughs> Doxin. No. Do, do I not understand what Doxin is? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> You know Alexa? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've bought a little bit, but with the understanding that I think it's probably going to go nowhere, especially now that I've invested it. Usually, if I know to invest in something, it's too late. (laughs) The bubble has already burst. So I'm not expecting it to go anywhere. I was just taking a punt. Just having a little gamble. I love a little gamble. A little flutter. (laughs) So maybe we should... uh, preface before we move on to our examples we should preface uh, all of this spiel with we are not providing financial advice of any kind <laughs> no <laughs> if you have any concerns whatsoever seek advice from an independent financial advisor there who is regulated to dispense such advice beautiful can you tell that he does that on his sex line <laughs> daily <laughs> <laughs> how do i pay for this if you have any financial concerns <laughs> what are you wearing just my pants what are you investing in look this is getting too much <laughs> uh so i'll kick us off oh actually let's think of a name for this person who likes money elon musk i was gonna say that yeah elon uh we'll just call him musky musky because okay. <laughs> Muskie, 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 muskie. Uh, you've both lost me there. <laughs> oh, you're not going to explain it. We're not going to explain it. it. <laughs> All right, we'll just move on. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about money by it's a guess. Martin Ames. Now, I've spoken about Martin Ames before, and I'm not even sure it's pronounced Ames because it's not spelled Ames. It's, so, How's it spelled? it's Jonesy. Well, I've heard people say it like that before, so I'm going to just trust them. I'm going all out on this. Balls out. Balls on the table, out of your hammock. (laughs) So, with a name like money, you might think that I've just Googled books about money. But (laughs) I've read this one. (laughs) Um, When I was 
just starting out writing novels and I was writing really shit ones. I sent one into one of these uh they do there's websites where you can send it in and they say that uh you know professional authors will read it and give you guidance on where you're going wrong and you know line by line they do they put comments in the word document that you can you know uh line by line they're not editing but just giving you advice and they'll write a, like a 3000 word document at the end of it that's like a review of it and what you've done wrong and what you should develop and stuff like that they mark it basically sorry they mark it yes yeah, it is a bit like that um but you know they're supposed to be professional authors who um because of that you're like oh, wow yeah i'll go for that my advice to anyone who wants to be a writer out there is do not go for these services <laughs> now they're a little bit helpful a tiny bit helpful, but not for the price. I think it cost me £500 for an average length novel just to get this done. And um, that's not too bad considering the amount of work that, you know, they have to read the whole book, do all of that notation and then write you a report on it. But it just wasn't worth the money. But anyway, that's totally irrelevant. This bloke who reviewed one of my early books, he said, um, you should read... He gave me a list of books that were like the kind of thing I write, and this was one of them. Didn't like it. Wasn't my cup of tea, this book. And I don't remember it very well, but what I, from what I do remember, the protagonist is an advert director who's invited to New York by a film producer to film his first film. And the casting's already been done and the actors are all nightmares. But the protagonist is a bit of a nightmare as well. He's a drunk, he loves paying for sex and paying too much for everything in general. He just loves spending money. Things happen, TM. But eventually there's a point at which his credit cards are blocked and he can't spend any money anymore because it turns out that Fielding Goodney, the producer who invited him to New York, fabricated the whole film and all the contracts he'd made the protagonist sign were actually loans and debts. He was actually just getting out a load of money in this bloke's name. So he's left with nothing. No film, no money. But anyway... Even with no money, he ends the novel kind of cautiously optimistic. He's not brought down by hitting rock bottom like this. And I suppose there's probably a kind of freedom to accepting that you've lost this money, Muskie. You can now start again. And this time, it might not feel like it right now, but you saved all that money that you've lost on uh, Agony Coin. Once, hmm. and you can do it again. Rise again from the ashes. Yeah. Um, and just to clarify, you might have expected me to go through all the big top-earning authors and advise this person that they can make that money back by writing books and releasing them. Like J.K. Rowling on an estimated $92 million a year or James Patterson on an estimated $70 million a year. These are both as of 2019, so they're probably higher than that now. And those kind of numbers would certainly help you financially recover from this. However, according to a 2016 article in The Guardian, the average author's annual income at that time was 12 and a half grand, well below minimum wage. So 
for every author who makes a bomb selling film deals and merchandise and stuff, there are hundreds who are struggling to stay afloat. So just like every person who's made a million investing in agony coin, there are a hundred more who have lost their money taking a punt. So um, all I'm saying is, you know, you've lost this money, just write it off, start again, this time make wiser investment decisions. I'm on your... I'm vibing with you, Aaron. Should we vibe together? I'm right now. I'm vibing with you. Wow, you can vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Margin call, 2011, directed by JC Chandor. Um, have you seen this, Liam? I know Aaron has. Mar- mar- Margin call. Male chimp. Ma- Ma- <laughs> Male chimp. <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> it's a really, really good film. It's quite short. It's um, shorter than her, Aaron. You've seen it though Who? already. Her. <laughs> Who? Her. Oh, her. her. Yeah, yeah her. Five for six. <laughs> <laughs> um, How long was her? 2006 minutes. How long is this one? So, you don't have to Shorter. look it up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and 49 minutes. Mm. Quite oh, short, so it's not that much shorter. No, it feels short though. It did feel short when I watched it. It mm. felt short, short as well. Yeah, <laughs> it felt shorter than her. <laughs> and I hadn't even got close to watching her at the time. So, <laughs> so um, did she mind when you did watch it? <laughs> Nobody minds, Liam. Except the, when I'm doing it over the fence. <laughs> God. So the tagline might help you: be first, be smarter, or cheat. Which I don't or think. Cheat. Completely. <laughs> I don't think that translates to the film very well at all. It's obviously to try and snaffle you in, but yeah, it's uh, actually about the crash, isn't it? The 2008. Yeah. So it's fictional retelling of the financial crash of 2008. Um, risk analyst Peter Sullivan, played by Zachary Quinto, uh, looks at a project Stanley Tucci's character Eric was working on, um, but he got tapped on the shoulder and told to fuck off as uh, investment banks do sometimes did you know that Stanley Tucci's married to Emily Blunt's sister I'm getting deja vu <laughs> no I didn't <laughs> did you know that Stanley Tucci is married to Emily Blunt's sister oh my god why do they call him Tucci it's a glitch in the matrix so yeah Stanley Tucci's character Eric who got made redundant effectively was working on a project that Peter picked up Peter Piper picked a project <laughs> <laughs> so, which shows the investment bank they are working for is over leveraged and they have been tracking their level of rev- leverage wrong it's really good this film it's seeming like it's technical but they don't really explain what they mean at all basically it's we fucked up shit's going to hit the fan and we're going to lose everything um, and that's basically the feeling you get all the way through it isn't it it's like you just feel like everyone is going Oh, fuck. Yeah. These numbers aren't right, are they? No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because it's much more drier than The Big Short, which is about the same thing. Mm. The Big Short is more slick and funny, mm. but actually more technical than this. Mm. It's really weird, actually. And they kind of explain a lot of the concepts in The Big Short, which they don't take the time to do in no. Margin Call. No, exactly. Um, so yeah, essentially the vibe you get is that shit's hit the fan and the company's about to lose everything. Um, and essentially what it means is they've got too much investment in shit stock. 
that's like subprime mortgages is going to go pop any minute. And that's what the model's telling them. So um, Peter reports his findings to his boss, Paul Bettany. Who had a vision. Who had a vision <laughs> that, wander, that wandered. <laughs> a wandering vision. <laughs> who then reports it to his boss, Kevin Spacey. Who reports it to his boss, Simon Baker. Who brings in the chief risk officer, Demi Moore. Who calls in the CEO, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> and Jeremy Irons wants all the gold in your Fort Knox. <laughs> Last night, we had no country. Tonight, we have to decide which country to buy. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you did such a good impression of Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, the really funny thing about this film is, as the news goes up the chain, the more the more senior they get, the less they understand what the problem is. Mm. And like, Jeremy Irons <laughs> is like, just tell me what's going on. They're like, we're going to lose everything. Basically, <laughs> and like, I think Kevin Spacey's character is like, "Don't show me graphs. I don't like graphs." Something like that. <laughs> and when Jeremy Irons comes in, it's a really big deal. They're like all standing to attention. A helicopter comes in, lands on the roof. He comes in. Everyone's like, "Hello, sir." So you know, you know, he's a big deal. And if he's here, it's a there's a big problem. So um, Jeremy Irons starts to understand that if the trend continues in days, the whole uh, value of the company is going to be wiped out and in fact the whole financial system is about to crash so they've got to decide what to do they're they've called it first no one else is no one else has um kind of started tracking this trend so it's the early hours of the morning they have an impromptu board meeting the numbers are confirmed there's definitely going to be some fuckery going on it's fuckery afoot fuckery's afoot um so what's the solution jeremy eyes decides pump and dump bitch pump and dump pump and dump baby so the directive from the top is to Kevin Spacey's sales team spend the whole day selling all of the stock, which people in the market are a bit like, what are you doing? What are you doing over there? What are you guys doing? Like, oh, we're just having a, a change around in um, our risk profile or our diversity. So we're just selling stuff. And they know what they're about to do is going to ruin their reputation because they're going to ruin other companies by selling them shit stock, which is about to go pop. But they get rid of it all. They don't. They lose money but the company survives without its reputation intact. So what's the point? We don't offer financial advice here, but what Margin Call says that if you're on the brink, just My example is a folk song. It's... Is it on the index? It's, of course it's on the index. No self-respecting folk song isn't on the index. This is number 18,586 on the index. Oh, oh I meant to guess every time. <laughs> uh, this is a folk song called long journey home and the lyrics in it are about an unfortunate chap who has lost all his money but a two dollar bill two dollar bill boys two dollar bill lost all my money but a two dollar bill i'm on my long journey home lost all my money but a two dollar bill two dollar bill man two dollar bill lost all my money but a two dollar bill I'm on my long journey home. Use as much as we want. It's a folk song. Yeah. Can we, um, do you reckon we could start a bluegrass band? We could record our own version. Oh, <laughs> shit. Can I ask a question? Yeah. The kind of tune to that is like the tune to lots of things, right? 
Every bluegrass song sounds like this. <laughs> sounds like this. Yeah, the really sound shit. Every bluegrass song sounds like this. Everybody's playing the banjo string. <laughs> so, what was the question? Like, <laughs> um, Carl's asking why every bluegrass sounds like this. <laughs> oh, fuck. Too many words. <laughs> I'm saying, like, it seems like a very familiar tune. So, can you have. They're all just variations on the same tune, aren't they? A lot yeah, of. Yeah. So, can you have individual songs on the index that have the same like, music to them, essentially? Yeah, you can. Um, you can have. They can have different lyrics, but yeah. the same tune. And in the index, they've got different names, but they've got the same index number. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Oh. Thank you. Answer to my question. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> so, unfortunately. The song doesn't really contain any advice. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we got to over this week. <laughs> it doesn't even tell us how the money was lost. But it's quite a beat. Yeah, we like it. Um, They're not feeling sad about um No. Is he just happy to have money? something? He's got a $2 bill. Yeah. Life is good. I can buy... That's his friend as well. It's just a nickname for his mate. Oh, yeah. Lost all my money, but $2 bill. <laughs> he's still in <laughs> and uh, yeah he's just going home presumably to you know sort things out and start over again So, but I think my advice here would be because you don't want to get to a point where well we're not dishing advice we're presenting a range of products and solutions <laughs> it's up to them to make an informed decision because I wouldn't want to get to a point where I'm investing more than I can afford and losing all my money but a two dollar bill I mean, it wouldn't even be a $2 bill. I thought you were happy about a $2 bill. Like you said that he's upbeat about a $2 bill. Well, he is, yeah. I thought you were trying to say that, you know... <laughs> but Liam wouldn't be. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I lost all my money but a $2 bill. <laughs> and because it's a different tune, it'll be a different folk index. <laughs> I don't know, you know, if you do need to make a little money back. If you do, a certain Aloe Black has a tip for you in his 2010 song... I need a dollar. Hee <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, Is that just Michael Jackson slowed down? Hee <laughs> Pop quiz. Pop quiz, asshole. Well, we've still got time for a pop quiz before the end of the episode. Do you know what f- popular 2013 song Aloe Black also provided vocals on? No. Um, it's Wake Me Up by Avicii. You know that one? Oh, yeah. Me Poor Avicii, R.I.P. Yeah, that was Hello Black. I didn't know that. And I don't I don't even know if it was credited at the time, but it's definitely credited now. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Hello Black in I Need a Dollar, he asked the listener, if I share with you my story, would you share your dollar with me? So you could consider selling your interesting story about how you lost your money. Maybe. No, I've already told you, Liam, authors don't make that much. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a film out of it, maybe. <laughs> Oh, was that the end? That's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the advice is chin up, stay positive, possibly... I I was once um, on holiday in Malaysia and uh, very late at night I was watching a film with my mum and brother um, called And the Beat Goes On, The Sunny and Cher Story. And um, they obviously thought no one's watching this and they turned it off 
Like it was kind of like broadcasting throughout the hotel centrally. Alright, yeah. And uh, my mum phoned down to the desk saying, Can you put that back on please? We were watching that. <laughs> and they did. And they did. And it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then she phoned down and said, I wish you hadn't done that, because I've just wasted two hours of my life. <laughs> oh great. <laughs> what a story to end up. Well, on that note, maybe we should wrap up. And that's all we've got time for today. Check out our episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all of the songs. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I'd like to thank our resident Agony uncles for their contributions. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Liam. Thank thank you, guys. And thank you, beautiful pickles, for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and not to give financial advice because we do not do that and for more entertainment for you to check out. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Ciao, Bella. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here But Agony R Agony R Agony R